Welcome to Self-Discovery Media Network, formerly known as Self-Discovery Radio. Each week we bring you illuminating shows from those making a difference in the lives of others. They've taken their own journey. They're here to share their skills, their wisdom to help you on yours. You can see more about us at selfdiscoverymedia.com and please listen to our wonderful collection of shows. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Raising Our Gifted Children. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and you are listening to Self-Discovery Radio, selfdiscoverymedia.com. We used to be radio. And we are doing the Forgotten Children series. Why the Forgotten Children series? Because there are so many children left behind. They're left behind in poverty, a lack of education, certainly a lack of love. When we look at all the adults out there today making decisions that are not very conducive to life or to anyone else, you'll generally find an injured child in there, somebody who got left behind, somebody who had to struggle, somebody who's simply looking for love, did not find it. If we do not teach and show our children love right from the beginning, show them the hows, the whys, the respect, the value of life and of love, they are going to grow up forever seeking and generally seeking in the wrong places. Well, my guest today is a person who's been working with children for a very, very long time. And she has a beautiful quote, which I'm going to be quoting often. Are our children differently abled? rather than disabled. I love that because yes, they are differently abled. They're differently abled because they're trying to adapt to the forever pressures and expectations that we put upon them. They're different abled because they are gifted, beautiful, intuitive children that have come here to teach us how to love, how to raise our vibration, how to get it right, because we, I'm sorry to say, have got it so wrong. She has spent over 18 years in education and 10 years in behavioral health field. She has a bachelor's degree in um, therapeutic recreation, master's degrees in education, curriculum and instruction, special education and school counseling, school psychology. In other words, she really knows what she's talking about. She's also trained in biofeedback therapy and worked for four years in private practice. She specializes in wellness and stress management. Well, we're going to be having her back on again for stress management on another level. But today it's all about the kids and how we cannot leave any child behind. What we need to do in society today to make sure that we are nurturing, seeding opportunities, watering those seeds of our children, because our problems tomorrow we want to prevent today. It's not about fixing it later. It's about preventing it now. And if we truly nourish our children now and allow them to be creative and discover and explore in a healthy environment without fear, without the fear of repercussions, whether they're abled in a special way or abled in another way to constantly feed what they're able to do and see where it goes and stop dictating where we want them to go, what they should be doing and who they should be. Let's allow them to be the beautiful creatures that they are because we need them. Welcome to the shoe show. <laughs> I've got shoes and shows and everything going on here. Susie Lala. Thank you, my darling. Hello. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you today, Sarah? I'm doing great and big, topic on my heart here in this series because I think in everybody that I've ever interviewed that's 
injured or that's had to go through something, it was generally always goes back to the childhood. A child that's been left behind or been abused, neglected, not fed um, spiritually or creatively, uh, doesn't know the right behaviors because it never had those around them to, to learn from. This is your field, isn't it? You've seen so much of this. Yes, I have. It's, it's um, quite frustrating um, at many levels because um, of the systemic issues that we have and that um, the foster youth get, get dropped off at 18. Mm -hmm. And um, the supports aren't what they should be. They, in, in the California, they are better than what they were. Um, I will say that, um, but they're not where they should be. And these children, uh, students, adults, young adults need a lot of supports. They need a lot of help building their self-confidence, um, which they lack and believing in themselves that they can go to a higher level. And, and that's a really important thing to remember. Yes. I mean, if we don't, nurture our children today you know they they are the dysfunctional adults that are out there you know today if we don't nurture them now and you know in another show I did you know she was saying that out of in the foster care system that incarcerated or more foster care kids than anything else isn't that a huge big neon sign to saying we've let them down yes it is and and not just incarceration but the, the homelessness and our drug addicts yeah um, that's generally where they go and they make lifestyle choices because they're in survival mode yeah uh, and they think it's better to run away from the bad situation that they're in in the foster care whether it's in the foster care or with their families and and go to the streets so you know we have to remember that um that's where a lot of our children are. A lot of our lost children are on the streets. Yeah. And then that opens up a whole other can of worms. As you said, you know, um, drugs, prostitution, um, disease, malnutrition, um, you know, violence, you know, just so much. Um, but also then you go into the other arena, which I don't know in the States, but here, if you're homeless, you can't get a bank account because you don't have an address and you can't get an address unless you have a bank account and you can't receive subsidy unless you have a bank account and an address. And it's, uh, hello, the homeless, <laughs> you know, and they can't do any of this. So they need help to do so. And they kind of canceled that out a few years ago. And it's what is going on that we keep putting systems in place that stop the development and the nurturing of these children rather than help them. Yeah, our, our systems are the same in the U.S. Um, we're, setting our, we're setting them up for our failure immediately yeah. rather than success. And, and it's not a system that is beneficial or helpful. It's just this never-ending circle. Um, it, it's like the, the dog chasing its tail. It's yeah. just an ongoing circle. And, and it has to stop somewhere somehow. Yeah. Um, because if we don't, I mean, here we are in, in 2019. Um, I've been in this field since the 80s, and we aren't helping those that need to be helped. No. We mm -hmm. aren't providing the services that we need to be providing because it's expensive, number one. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and number two, it's ongoing. 
And again, you know, we've talked about the systemic problems and it's just a never, it's a, it's a vicious cycle, ongoing vicious cycle. And, you know, where is the caring? You know, um, I had somebody on last week who, who teaches choir and arts and crafts and things to children through her church. And these are kids that have never had a coloring book, you know, never sung. Oh, no, dad tells me to shut up, you know, be quiet or else. And, you know, they're being brought up by dysfunctional parents because they were brought up dysfunctionally. And it's when do we step up and say, we need to care. We need to care because if we don't, Look at what we're getting. You know, um, it used to be, obviously, I was fortunate enough that I was mostly a stay-at-home mom. I worked from home. And I'm really grateful for the fact that I was there because I was also the neighborhood mom. And, but nowadays, it's so hard for anybody to survive on one salary. They need a two salary in order just to be able to, the roof over the head and everything else. And so that means it's latchkey kids or, you know, after-school care kids. And the parents come home tired. And then there's the laundry, there's the this, there's that. And it's where is the time you know, for that nurturing? Because everybody's at the exhausted, you know, field at that point. We really do have to look at the root cause of everything, don't we? And make it easier for parents to bring up their children and give them that quality loving time. Uh, yes, we do. And um, unfortunately, with the cost of living in you know, all over the world, yeah. uh, especially here in California, you know, we're at the highest cost, one of the highest cost of living rates there is. And um, it, it's, it's a, it, again, we have to look at the, the systems that are in place and, and, and change them. Mm -hmm. And also look at the priorities are having the things more important than having the time. Yeah. Because taking the time with the kiddos, to me is much more important. Like you, I was able to stay at home when my guy was younger. Um, and, and that really was a good thing. And as I watch uh, my cousin's children, you know, growing up and yesterday we went to the rodeo and watched one cousin, you know, rodeo and that the family structure is there and there's a great dynamics there and the loving family. And a lot of people don't have that. No. A lot of people don't know what that is, and a, and a lot of people don't get that kind of unconditional love and care yeah. and support. And of course, you know, divorce rate that's so high, you know, and that's right. you know another thing. And again, you've got people that are coming from arenas maybe where they were not given that you know that pouring of love, and and so people are drawn to each other because they need someone to love them. And then they find, oh, that's not enough because ultimately we have to learn to love ourselves, don't we? You know, the love we give out needs to come from within. And so we need to love ourselves from within first to, to give it out. And if you've got people constantly, like the dog, chasing the jail, tail, chasing love in all the wrong places right. and all the wrong reasons, then, you know, if there isn't that going to be the longevity of anything you know, in a relationship with a child, with a spouse, with any, a partner, because everybody's looking for love instead of find it within you and bring it to the table. But we're not taught that, and we need to be taught that very, very young. Yes, and, and you know, when I was a kindergarten teacher, I, I told my, my students that you're okay the way we are. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has a strength and everybody has a weakness. And that's what makes it so unique. 
and everybody seems to focus on the negative parts of themselves yeah. other than the positive parts. And I think it's real important that we acknowledge that um, each of us has a piece that's broken or dented or, mm-hmm. or different, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. Uh, and, and that's how, you know, the differently imperfect. That's right. Um, You know, we all, we all have a difference. Yes. And that's okay. That's what makes our society um, unique and wonderful. But at the same time, it's also broken because we're not taking care of everybody. Right. We're not taking care of the needs of those that need us the most. No. No, we're not. And I think, you know, always, I'm always speaking to society's expectations. You know, um, a media and TV, they're all wonderful. But somewhere along the line, they became dictatorial. You must be this to be loved. You must be this to be successful. You must be this for anyone to look at you. And then people started looking at, but I, I don't fit into that. I don't have that kind of money. I'm not that successful. So therefore, I'm nothing. And it's like, whoa, hold the horses here. You know, this is just a whole load of mm, that they're selling you, right? And then right. it's marketing companies that are selling you this to sell their wares. And what they're doing is they're selling your self-esteem. And, and we've got to say, hey, hey, I am not that ad or that image. I am me, proud to be me, proud to be, you know, differently abled or beautifully flawed. And this is my instrument and I bring it to my orchestra of life. And, and it doesn't fit every orchestra. That's okay. Because if it did, how we'd be droids, you know, humanoids, right? Right. We, we need the difference. But we've bought into this image that we must be. And we're realizing that everybody's tried to buy into that. They've sold themselves out. They're utterly miserable. They're incredibly soul, heart, and spirit poor, right? And we have a huge, enormous breakdown of society because of it. Very true. And and it's the old adage of keeping up with the Joneses, (laughs) and and I want what they have, and uh, the material things. It's not what you have. It's who you have have yes and and who we are and can we go to sleep at night and be happy with ourselves with the way we are and the way we conduct ourselves and I think that's really really important that not everybody is going to be a millionaire not everybody Mm -hmm. is going to have that home at the beach or, or whatever anybody's desire is um I'm happy, happy to be healthy. I'm happy, you know, to have a home uh, and my family and my friends. And um, this time of year in, in our area is, is pretty cultural. We're a rodeo town. Mm-hmm. And so everybody comes together and we see each other. And I still see old friends from high school. Right. Uh, and and we're, we're a community. And I think that's gotten lost. Yes. Um, I've heard uh, on different uh, platforms of social media, you know, I, I don't keep in contact with my old high school buddies and, or high school friends and just that and seven other things. And, and I'm from a community where um, we were a village and a community and we took care of each other. And we've continued that um, 
even at our age, mm -hmm. um, we continue that um, with our, if a friend has a child that has an issue, they call me. If my family has a child with an issue, Susie, what do I do? What, where do we go? What do, how do I get help? What, what are the steps that are involved? Because I know the steps, I know the system, and, and I and know how to utilize our system. And, and I think that's very, very important that you learn how to use the tools and resources within each community to help those that need it the most. Um, and that's so important. I mean, I'm constantly speaking to village. I mean, we're a global village, but when we also look at our community village, our village is only as strong as its participants. And every single person has a role to play in that village. And that village strength is everybody's contribution. Even the village idiot has a role to play, right? And it's, um, you don't go to the butcher when you need <laughs> a, a loaf of bread, right? You know, you don't, you don't go, you know, to to the shoehorn if you need a transmission done. The whole thing is you go to the people who are the experts or whose service that's what they're doing. And you go to them because that's what they do. And when we're all willing to help each other, and yes, of course, there is funding that has to change hands. That's the commerce that keeps roofs over our heads. But when we decide to go whatever business we decide to go into based on it being a service that services our community, whether it be a global or a local, um, and we're doing it because we really care about the strength of that community and the strength of everybody that we're there to serve, we really do become very much more solutional people, don't we? Rather than, oh, I'm just going to make the bucks and I don't care who I make it off. That kind of mentality we've seen, <laughs> look where it's got you, <laughs> the White House. Um, you know, we've seen this. <laughs> we've seen what that kind of gouging does. And it does not take care of the communities. It doesn't take care of the people that really can't take care of themselves that need to be helped because they've always got something to contribute, but they can't contribute it in every other way. As you said, able, different. So just because they can't do A, B, and C doesn't mean they're useless. Something that they're contributing is of use. But how are we ever going to discover that if we're throwing them away? Exactly. And, and some of my most uh, creative and talented uh, students were the ones that had the most difficulty with you know, structured educational learning and, you know, taking the standardized tests and, and those kinds of things. So we, we kind of limit our students and our kids um, because those that have the creativity and the ability with the hands-on uh, have just an amazing gift. Um, I had a young man and he couldn't read when he was in sixth grade barely able to read but my goodness he could build a bike take it apart put it together make it shine uh he was just an amazing mechanic yeah uh, so we have to build on uh you know going back to the village and the community and building on each other's strengths and acknowledging them and stop putting people down for what they can't do yes and empower them for what they can do. It's really important to, you know, I always go back um, and, and I did a presentation the other day, you know, we, we all have something that we rock at and we all have something that we suck at. And I have said that at the college level for many, many years and, and they all just kind of look at me and go, oh. And, but the reality is, yeah, 
everybody isn't good at everything. And nor are they meant to be. No. And that's, that's what our, our society needs to get through their thick head is that everybody is different. Everybody is uniquely different and build on our strengths, help each other out and pay it forward. And, and I firmly, you know, I'm one of those that is the eternal optimist. I'm the peacemaker. Um, and so I firmly believe that together we can make change and we have to, because if we don't, the next generations are in dire straits. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's just the way I see it because we have a systemic problem in education. We have a systemic problem with our foster care. Uh, and we have a systemic problem with our mental health. And those all feed in, you know, they all work together um, to help people. And we really need to focus on helping those that can't help themselves right now and giving them the tools and the resources to be successful. Yeah. You know, and it goes across the board. I mean, teachers have to be taught differently. You know, that um, um, just because a child is differently abled, it doesn't mean they're dumb. It means that you have to have a different approach how to speak to them. I had learning disabilities growing up before kind of learning disabilities was really acknowledged. Um, and the teachers knew, have a conversation with her, have it something that she relates and connects to, and hallelujah. Take it out of a textbook and go, dumb, 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 dumb. She just doesn't get it. <laughs> doesn't relate to it at all. I had some teachers who knew that and knew how to teach me, and other teachers, it was just by the book. So they lost me and they left me behind. We're doing that with our children because it's this expectation that you've got to reach this. You know, your, your scores have to be that. Otherwise, you're dumb or you're never going to go anywhere. I don't know how many people I've interviewed who've had a teacher say to them, you know, no, you're dumb. You're never going to get anywhere. You're stupid. You'll never succeed in life. And it became their driving force to prove that they will, but they did it their way. Right. Because they couldn't do it the other way. Right. Right. And, and then that's, that's been my passion because I was that kid, mm. you know, my mom was the 4.0 English teacher and she just couldn't understand how I had difficulties reading and writing and learning. Well, I'm dyslexic. Yep. Um, so I, I spent a lot, a long time to learn how people learn and become, I don't say I'm an expert, but I'm pretty knowledgeable in the arena. And um, I know what, how to administer assessments to see what the strengths and weaknesses are and then we build on the strengths and acknowledge the weaknesses because if we don't acknowledge our weaknesses then we're going to fret about them right they are exactly. what they are. Mm -hmm. you know i have brown hair i'm not going to be a blonde you know that's just the way it is and if and you dyed yourself blonde it wouldn't be you <laughs> that, exactly you know exactly so and and when i talk to my students and and, and i talk to people it's, it's build on what your strengths are and how you take in information and how you learn and know that because that, that's your power right there. Right. It's knowing how you learn. And it, unfortunately, you're right um, with a lot of the 
the legislative changes, especially here in the US with education, it became about the test scores. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we as teachers uh, did not like that. Uh, I can tell you straight up, the majority of us did not like that mm -hmm. because we were teachers. Yes. We know how to teach. Yes. Um, but again, we go back to the systems. They, they wouldn't allow us to teach because here is where you're at today and you need to be here by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get it, leave them behind. They, yeah, well, we didn't. You know, you, you do recess and you do lunch and you do after school and you do extra extra activities that aren't within the quote unquote lesson plan. Um, most of us that were and are good teachers, we did that. Yeah. Um, and we were taught how to teach, um, not just how to stand there and lecture because. 80% oh, of our population are visual learners. Yes. Thank so, you for so. saying that. Thank you for saying that because teaching for some people think that it is just standing up there, telling people what it is, and then telling them they're stupid if they don't get it or the scores aren't right. It's lording over them. You know, it's almost, I've got the knowledge. I'm more superior than you. It's for me, a teacher is somebody who's willing to learn from the student and adapt and, and oh, I didn't know that if I approached it from this angle, this would light up this child in this way. Or this child goes, da, 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 and goes I've never seen it from that way. Born. If you're willing to learn with your child, I think that's the true definition of a teacher. Because, well, I, you know, you're always evolving, aren't you? You're yes. not lording over them. No, I've learned as much from my students, even in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I have taught every grade level as I do today. In fact, you know, one of my students I'm still helping and um, she, she has a quote and I can't remember it for the life of me, but I, I, I made a graphic out of it and put it out there on social media. And it's, it's gotten the most interaction uh, of any of them, you know, and uh, out of the mouths of our children come yes. great knowledge and wisdom. Yes. Oh. And they will show you they will show you what they need if you yeah. give if you take the time listen and it's also what they're showing you is their gift you know it's it's this is their instrument and then if we water that and nurture that and see how it grows then we will know what tools to give them so that they can grow more fruitfully instead of dictating no you've got to use this tool and go that direction you go, we're looking at an artist here. We're looking at a mathematician here. We're looking at this or that here. This is their gift. This is what they were wired to do. Let's give them all the tools they need in order to grow and not say, but no, you've also got to be all of these things or no, you can't be that. This is where we go wrong. Again, how many people have I interviewed in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s is saying, as a child, I always wanted to do ABC but I was told I had to do DEF and I've gone back to my ABC and I've never been happier. Exactly. Right? Go back, go back to what makes you happy. Yeah. Go back and be, uh, you know, I, I always ask the infamous question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Uh, you know, and uh, our, our family story goes when, when I was, I started subbing later in life. And uh, I subbed at a kindergarten class, and it was also my birthday. And I told my son, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I want to teach kindergarten. 
And he looks at me and he says, well, mom, it's your 40th birthday. Don't you think it's about time you grew up? <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of our family joke. And it, it doesn't matter when you, you start to pursue what you want to do. Just do it. Yes. You know, yes. I, I was 40 when I went back and I still finished three master's degrees. Right. You know? And yes. I still, I was a single working mom at that time. My son was a five sport letterman. I, you know, I did the work and yeah, it was tough, but I did it. Um, and again, by that time I knew how I learned and what my strengths were right. and I knew I could do it. Whereas before I had this lingering, I'm not smart enough to take that. I'm not smart yeah. enough to do that. Yeah. I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. And then I changed my self-talk and I changed mm. how I thought about things. And I started to empower myself and to believe in myself. And, and that's what we have to um, pass on to whomever that we come in contact with, regardless of age, yeah. that they have gifts, they have abilities, and they have strengths. And it's important that we build on those strengths and go from there, regardless of age or yes. gender. Some children immediately come out as that beacon of light and you know that's their path. Right. For most people, especially if they've been brought up in the, the dictation of society, education and government, religion dictation that they were brought up into, it is a rediscovery of who they are and what they really want to do. As I said, your birthday gift to yourself on your 40th is you were doing what the child always wanted to do. And those years have been so much more fruitful for you. They've been so much more abundant for you. But the years that you took to get there were preparation in getting there so that you could be a better teacher. So sometimes when we look at somebody stepping into something older, don't forget all the knowledge they've learned along the way. They've now gained the wisdom to know which knowledge applies to their dream, to their passion, to their conviction, and they can bring it to you so much more fruitfully. Now, if we nurture our children in that same way, and you know, their passion, their conviction of who and what they are doing today, we're giving them all that beautiful wisdom and knowledge that they can help grow. And they may change directions a dozen times. That doesn't matter. Each time they're taking wonderful knowledge and tools with them to, to manifest and create whatever it is they're finally meant to be. And who says we're ever finally meant to be one thing? Maybe we're meant to be our own orchestra and be all the instruments. <laughs> well, and, and that's true. You know, we, we, need, we, excuse me, we need to try out different instruments to see which one we like. And, um, you know, I, I tried to play the flute once and that was just a disaster. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm very good at other things and, yes. and so that's okay. You know, and, and, you know, what is your genre for your orchestra of life? Is it, you know, there's the country, there's the jazz yes. that yes. I went to my first rock and roll concert the other night with my boyfriend. Thank goodness I had earplugs. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a totally different culture, a totally different yes. genre. And so um, it, each one of us has to find our niche, our genre, what we're good at. And, and we go back to our forgotten children. Those guys need to be nurtured. And when they're in our classrooms, when they're in, on the baseball team, when they're on the basketball court, they need to be nurtured and accepted 
by the village that surrounds them right and not bullied and not intimidated and not belittled right um but oh, to, to be belittling. Oh. belittling i think is one of the most soul-destroying things it chips away at someone there aren't any you know obvious scars but it's chipping away at their spirit at the heart and the very soul of who they are where the i'm not enough really starts growing and then when you've got somebody who starts bullying that is a bully when you take away all the facade, there's an injured child in there that does not feel enough. And this bullying is a way to give them power because they can't get it any other way because they don't feel enough. You know, narcissism, I have a wonderful series here on narcissism, which I invite people to listen to because it's very, very enlightening. <clears throat> Narcissistic parenting, what is a narcissist, how to break it down. But, you know, narcissists are developed when they do not develop their empathy lobe when they're not taught to care or be kind or considerate to people. And when we start teaching children that, they get out of that survival mode, um, me, myself, and I, and they right. start paying attention to everyone else's feelings and caring and ignite the heart. Um, the narcissist is someone who's never been taught that. It, they're still in the me, myself, and I mode. I'm the only one that matters because they've never been taught to, kind, to be kind, to be caring, or to love. And they're looking for love. And they look for it in power and intimidation. And, and, and they learned that from somebody. Yes. You know, they, they, you know they, they probably came from a family that is very dysfunctional and most likely verbally abusive. Yes. So uh, that, we go back to children live what they learn. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, so if they've, learn that then they can unlearn it hopefully and be taught um, but again it's their choice if they choose to well, go that route it's been aware that there's a pattern that needs to change right you know people right. say to me how can children of abuse especially sexual abuse grow up have children and sexually abuse their own children they know what it's like but you have to understand that's all they know the, the intellect knows it's wrong but the patterning doesn't and if you don't change the patterning, then they're not going to be able to change the whole approach of the situation or the way they look at it. So somewhere along the line, people have to be deprogrammed, don't they? And, and a reprogram has to be put in there. Well, and, and, and I think uh, teaching and awareness mm. and you know, ed education, um, putting in the right support systems, uh, people learning to recognize the warning signs yeah. so that so that the um so that, that it's broken so that there's a stopping point yeah. in the patterns yeah because that that pattern has to be broken right. at some point um in order for the next generation and you know we go back to uh, learn so much from those that i've worked with and the only way i can truly that i was able to understand things was by to ask people questions when I was working at the hospital and, and they really helped me to understand the pain and what they did mm -hmm. to cope with the pain. And while I didn't agree with what they did, um, I understood it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Everything so, has a reason, right? Everything right. comes from somewhere. It doesn't just manifest out of you know, the sky. You know, if, if, if they become abusers, if they become whatever they've become, it is something that comes from the past that comes from within. And, and very often they don't know how to control it themselves, do they? 
No, they don't. They, they have, they don't have the tools. No, they, they don't have, they don't know what resources are available. They don't know right from wrong because again, this is all that they've been taught and this is how they've lived and they've most likely um, been threatened uh, at some point in time. And so, so they, they don't want to lose the people that love them and uh, they're just lost. Yeah. Yes. You know, what we're seeing is far too many lost souls out there, you know, of all ages. <clears throat> I think, when we look at our children today, and one of the shows I love to watch is the Master Chef Children's, uh, and, and you know you're looking at these little ones, eight years, nine, ten, maybe up to thirteen max, and the dishes they put out, they have the sophistication, um, the pride, and and the love they take to do it, but the camaraderie of each other, the support and the cheering each other on, and the hugs and. And when somebody's in tears, you know how they all jump in and support one another. And I look at it and it's absolutely beautiful. Why did we lose that when we grew up? I don't think we, we lost it completely. I think um, it still exists. I know in my classrooms with my students, there was a great camaraderie. There was a great support system. But I also nurtured that. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, my, my saying was we make a difference one student at a time and we pay it forward yeah. and everybody was supposed to pay it forward. Um, you know, I'm helping you. I'm teaching you how to do X, Y, and Z. And so if somebody else needs that help or that resource, your job is to help them too, because the only way that things are going to change for those that are differently abled is through education, awareness, and advocacy. And, and that has to start somewhere. And even if it was, you know, just in my classrooms, even if it was just on my campus, I've seen the domino, you know, I've seen yeah. how it's made changes, yeah. little ripples. And um, it makes me smile. It makes me happy. It makes me know that I, I did good and I do good, and I did make a difference. And, and that's a real important thing. Yes. Um, and then that's, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it, in life, right? To want to know we're making a positive difference in the lives of others. Right, and, and I, we go back to the forgotten kiddos, and it's important that we as society go back and help those and, and make a difference and pay it forward. I think that's the only way that we as society, regardless of country, um, are going to beat this. Yep. Um, we have to spend as much money on our children as we do on other things. Oh boy, most certainly. A great deal more has to be invested in our children. <laughs> and, you know, it's, we seem to have got this stereotyping. Oh, they're, you know, they're from a poor place. They'll end up in a gang or they'll end up in this. Well, what are you doing to prevent that? What are you doing to help that mum that's working four jobs because dad's not around and all the kids are there? Where is the village stepping up to help each other raise those children, right? Where is the, somebody looking out for that kid to make sure they don't get into trouble? They don't you know, end up on the corner selling crack. You know, if we don't like the problem, when are we going to step up and be the solution, right? But we, we, we can't continue to sit around and <laughs> no. think that somebody else is going to fix it. Right. Um, right. Because who is that somebody? Yes. 
Yes. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like the oceans at the present moment with all the garbage in there and the amount of sea life that it's killing. And I mean, it's stifling our ocean. And we've got to understand no animal on this world did this. No alien did this. Humans did that. And you've, we've become a very much throwaway society, right? Because I'll just get another one. And we've, we've put that same attitude towards people. Oh, you don't serve me? I'll just go and get another girlfriend, another boyfriend, another this, another that. Have another kid. You know, it's why, where is the investment in ourselves first? Because we can't do anything out there until we invest in ourselves. And when we are in that investment of self and we find that beautiful purpose and we switch our light on, how are we going to step forth and help our community? And we've got to understand, whenever you point a finger at someone else, three fingers are pointing back at you. What are you doing? Because if you see a child in trouble out there, if you see a child being bullied, if you know a child is hungry, if you know a child is going through abuse at home, what are you doing about it? Are you just gossiping or turning the other head? Or are you stepping up and doing something about it? Yeah, and, and people will need to know what to do. Right. Um, and, and it goes back to educating of what you do when you see this. Mm -hmm. And this is who you call and what you do. And yes, now we are getting more public service announcements and commercials and those kinds of things. Um, it's a couple of decades late, if you ask me. Yes. But it, it, it is at least there. The turning point. Um, right. And, and we're starting to have some hard discussions about hard topics. And a lot of people are saying, you know, this is, this is very difficult. Uh, this is so hard. And I've been asking hard questions all the time. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've asked, are you, do you have feelings? You know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling like um, you're no good? Yes. Are you feeling that um, you want to hurt yourself? You know, I've asked those questions hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they're tough questions, but in order to make a difference and to know what's going on, you've got to ask them. And you've got to know the difference between depression and when somebody's hearing voices. Yeah. And you've got, yeah. you've got to recognize that um, there is a difference. And, and to me, and I, I've said this since day one, it, it's an illness. There, it's just a different kind of illness, one that you can't see, but they can feel. And you have to be aware of that. And our foster youth have the highest... Um, percentage of mental health issues of you know most of our populations and we really need to provide the services for them when they need it yes not after we, we have uh, rob shear in this series who was a foster child who was abused horribly as uh, by his parents um, who went through the whole thing that no child should go through. And uh, he started a thing called Comfort Cases, which is cases for children, foster children, because everything was in a, in a garbage bag. So now they have their own cases. And he's written, a, you know, the forever family of him uh, being a white gay guy, um, you know, fostering for black children and then eventually adopting them. But, you know, about 
the love. He had to learn to love himself before he could find A, the love of his life and be able to give that love to these other children. And of course, the difference he's made. But that doesn't mean the pain isn't still there. It just means he knows how to cope with that pain now. He knows not to attach the emotion to it, but the, the memory of it is always going to be there. Then we have Novelette, who is um, a foster parent of boys. That's who she wants to serve the boys because she said boys really get forgotten. And, uh, you know, most of the time they just have no guidance on how to be a, a young man or, you know, you're never going to be anything or uh, no nurturing or love of who they are. So there's no self-discovery in themselves. And the, there's so many avenues that we've got here that people who have stepped up like yourself that want to help people navigate through this maze that's being built and children used to be a commodity that we looked at very preciously we looked at our elders with respect for all the wisdom that they had we looked at our children as our future and we taught them well with the right morals respect courtesy tools and skills that they needed to navigate through life somewhere along the line we stopped teaching we stopped caring and we have to go back to that so we need teachers like you now, I know you're not teaching anymore, but you are still there to help people navigate. Yes. And, and, and so I'm a little defensive of some of my teacher friends here. Um, I do know that um, we do our absolute personal best to teach basic skills and manners. Um, but like my sister-in-law is a vice principal at a school and she suspends kids five to six kids a day because of their behavior, because the behaviors that they're coming in from their families yeah. are so atrocious and unacceptable. And, and so uh, our family structure has to um, go back to basics, I think, yeah. and take care of each other. I mean, how can a parent raise a child with love and caring and seeding if they've never had that and they're dysfunctional? You know, and it's not about going in and taking the child away. It's going about helping the parents change the patterning, you know, um, just change everything. I mean, most of the time, they simply just don't know any other way, right? Show them another way. And, and showing them another way requires a lot of supports and interventions. Yes. And then we go into the cost of those supports and interventions. And that's for this systemic issue is, yeah. is because it's expensive yeah. to do that. And we, we, we haven't, our, our governments aren't providing the resources to do that and to provide those services and interventions. I know. And then guess, we have the small percentage that are very resistive to that. Mm -hmm. And so we have, we have to respect those boundaries. Right. And rescue the child. Right. Yes. I mean, there are some parents just too far gone. That's it. They're never going to come back. But, you know, get the child out of there and, and help the child so the child doesn't have to go through the repercussions right. of it. Um, because not every child is as strong as Rob Shear, as because his journey was always believing in love and always knowing it was out there somewhere. He just had to discover it for himself first before he ignited it with the right people. Um, but as he said, he had nine other siblings and seven of them didn't make it. Um, because they didn't have that yeah. strength 
And, you know, that's the thing. We lose right. so, so many people because they don't have that strength of courage. They give up, you know, depression takes over or despair takes over. Or they just don't have any knowledge of how to get out of it. So it's either the drugs or something else or just simple killing themselves because they know no way. Oh, what we're seeing, unfortunately, is people reach that point and take out the, the machine gun and go obliterate everyone else to make themselves feel better. And we have a cry for help out there right now, right? Resources have to be put into this through the neglect of these resources. We are seeing this problem. And if we don't address this problem, it's only going to get worse. So resources have to be put. And the way we pressurize that is as citizens of whatever country, we have to demand our government puts those resources in and our voices need to, to be loud and clear and persistent and consistent until those rules and laws are changed. Exactly. And, and I know that um, in the U.S., it, it, we kind of go and you know, waves of, of voicing concern. And it, like you said, it, it needs to be consistent and because the, the support needs to be consistent. Um, and the suicide rate, as you said, is just <sighs> out of this world. Yeah. And, and I worked in a small community and I had to deal with um, 15 suicides in one year. Mm. and the impact that it had on everybody. Um, and, you know, it's, it's our college students, um, middle school. Um, when I worked at a middle, the middle school, we had a middle school uh, student who hung herself, and that was 15 years ago. Um, so it, it's now becoming epidemic in proportion yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yes. And... Um, we do have things um, like um, sin silence packing, which is becoming increasing awareness, which will come around our campuses in the U.S. because 1,200 college students a year commit suicide. Mm. Um, and then we have the vets. You know, we, we lose four vets a day. Yeah, that's um, cool. So it's suicide is, and and I I understand their thinking. Yeah. I do not agree with it. Right. But having worked with so many and I've been on the other end of a phone call when somebody's been playing Russian roulette with, mm. with a gun. Um, so I, I understand the despair yes. and the level of depression that they're in. Um, and if they're hearing voices uh, and actually when somebody's hearing voices, it's easier to get them to refocus on themselves and not the voices than somebody who's just depressed right I, I use just depressed yeah. but um it, it's real important to know that uh people just are getting just so so um despondent and don't know what else to do they're not given the tools and the resources and like you said the pain is there mm. but it's not going to own me Right. And, right. and when, it surfaces, when it surfaces, I have skills, I have tools, I have resources that I can use to cope effectively with that when it pops its ugly head. Right. And that's what we need to teach is we need to teach tools and resources so that people, 
people have a full toolbox. Right. And they, that they know how to cope with things. And I, and I, I think know they're triggers. You know, I mean, you, you talked about depression. I suffer from that. And I know when I'm in depression, you know, um, I've got to pay attention. Okay. There is no snapping out of it. There is nothing rational about it whatsoever. There is no having a good talk to your depression. It is what's going to raise my frequency. What's going to elevate me? And actually, Galactic Speak was very, very good on that, a different program altogether, but also uh, music for me, because music is actually something that changes the frequency in our body and helps raise us up. And for some people, it might be some form of artistry or something. Whatever the expression is when you're in depression, that you're doing something, the worst is, is, is giving up and sitting back, because now it's going to consume you and turn to despair. And despair gives up altogether that's when it's the end of everything but when you're in depression it's knowing those triggers uh -uh. uh am i not getting enough sleep enough nutrition have i put too much stress on myself what do i need to do to nurture myself right now or go for help that's going to help me ride through this but you know there is no snap out of it you know no don't please never say that to anybody in that that's one of the worst things because that says you don't care you don't understand and when somebody's in despair that's the biggest problem. Nobody understands, right? Exactly. I always, I always use the analogy with um, depression and, and many other things that um, it, it gives us a, a warning sign. It always gives us a warning sign of some kind. And you, you talk about triggers and I use the term warning signs. It really doesn't matter which yeah. term you use. You need to know yourself. Know what your signs are and then do something positive you like to listen to music i like to go water flowers and dig in the dirt right. um, yes. i like to yes. go and 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 sew and quilt and and on days that i don't feel like sewing i'll, I'll pull out a quilt book um and i have plenty of those to choose from is that um, one of yours behind yeah uh, actually that's a family one um it was made by uh, my grandmother started it, my mom finished it, and my cousin's family hand quilted it. Beautiful. So, um, Real heirloom. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, and it's been in my family for generations. And so we're all quilters and sewers of some kind. But, you know, it's, it's going back to leisure skills and mm. doing things with your hands and getting your mind going. And, yeah, you know what? I don't feel as perky as I did yeah. yesterday but I'm going to get up and I'm going to do A. I'm not going to do A, B, C, and D, right. but I'm going to do A. Yes. Uh, and, and you need to take it one step at a time. So many people are, are putting this like this big long to-do list that yeah. I have to get. And you're, you're setting yourself up for failure rather than success. Yes. And I use the weight analogy, you know, am I going to lose my 30 pounds by Friday? Nope. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and it took a while to get here and it's going to take a while to yes. get it back in, into the sink. So what was going on before, you know, you and I can think cognitively about this is what happened before. These are my warning signs. And this is what I need to do. And the reason we can do that, Sarah, is because we've owned our illness. Right. Right. And, and ownership is 90% of the battle yes. because as soon and as not I look upon it as a flaw, just as one of your challenges you go around with life. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just yeah. what makes me uniquely different. Yes. 
Yes. You know, and I have, you know, we often wonder, why did this have to happen to me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Well, you know what? I look at it as, well, you know what? I've helped over a thousand other students because I have depression. Right. I've helped that many because I have anxiety, because I was in a horrible car accident, because I have a learning disability. All those things. Made you relatable. Exactly. I understand. Right. And, you know, maybe my, my injury isn't as severe as yours is, but I do understand the injuries and yes. lifestyle, lifestyle changes. Um, I have, uh, we have a really good family friend that was just in an automobile accident and had his, they had to amputate his leg and his, his, um, his ability to look at it and he says, you know what? I'm no longer going to live for the things I'm going to live to live. And, yes. you know, um, it's, it's and, looking at what you still have, not what you've lost. Yes. There's going to be a grieving thing. Of course you've got to go through that. You've got to go through the anger and everything else. That's part of loss. It's going through the process, but it's not being stuck there. It's not being stuck in the pain, isn't it? And, you know, we, we both have health challenges. Um, and sometimes we're living in pain and sometimes we have good days and the things you learn to have partnership with it, you know, and you know, with depression, you know, I've had three months of it this year and it was like, be proactive, do something, but learn, you know, love and nurture yourself, know when to shut down, know when to just go in and love you. And, and that's the thing, have a relationship with yourself. And when you do, you'll know how to take care of you. And when you take care of you, you're more able to take care of other people. And I think one of the things we could teach our children is how to say no, how not to live up to somebody else's expectation, how to actually understand, you know, I'm too tired today or I don't feel like it today. And to honor that, oh, you're going to. No, you're not. If the child doesn't want to, for a good reason, not just because they're having a tantrum, but to actually understand those are those child's parameters. Respect them because then they'll learn to respect themselves better. Exactly. And, and it goes back to, you know, the new term is self-care and taking yes. care of yourself. Um, yeah. and, and we called it wellness in the 80s, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it depends on which decade we're in and what it's right. called. Um, but the other thing that you touched upon is, is knowing your child. Yes. And knowing how they take in information and knowing, you know, when I, when I was a teacher and I told parents, look, you can't just say you need to do A, B, C, and D and expect them to remember it. If right. you do not write it down, get a whiteboard, get a chalkboard, um, get something to write it down, piece of paper so they can check it off. But they have to see it because they are going to remember one thing out of those four things. Right. And you as a parent, you're going to get mad at them for right. not remembering one, two, and four. Right. And you're not setting your kid up for success. Right. So it's real important to know that each one of us takes in information differently. And that's why learning how you learn it is so important. I mean, even Gary Vee did a video on that last week. Right. Learn how you learn. Um, and, and it's so, so important to know how your child learns, what their limits are. Uh-huh. And, and don't push them beyond their limits because they're going to shut down. 
um, and give them other avenues, give them other alternatives. Um, I used to have a slime timer. It was just, you know, like the old timers, but it was full of slime. And so when you turned it over, we have 20 minutes that we're going to stay on task. Actually, I think it was like 18 minutes that it mm -hmm. actually ran. And we did it as a class. Okay, everybody's going to stay here, stay focused, and then we'll have five minutes of free time, mm -hmm. you know, to doodle, to draw, to do whatever. And, and that is a really good strategy, you know. Do not expect students to sit there for an hour and a half to do homework after school. You need to break it up and chunk it up. Right. Yes. And, and don't make them feel guilty or put pressure on them. They've had that all day at school. Right. Well, and, 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 and go back to setting <clears throat> them up for success mm -hmm. and, and, and build on their strengths. And you as parents, if you don't know how your child learns, ask the teacher. Yes. You know, or, or do some research. They're, I mean, they're, or tell the teacher, on the other hand, if you do know how your child learns. Go exactly. and have a one-on-one -on -one with the teacher. My child you responds know, better this way, you know? <clears throat> and if something's going on in the family, make sure that yes. the teacher is aware because that plays a huge impact on what's going on with the kiddos. Yes. Um, what's going, you know, what's going on in the family. Is grandpa sick? Mm -hmm. You know, did we have to go visit grandpa at the hospital? You know, those kinds of things just really um, play havoc with this, the kiddos and and well, how they, pick, they pick up on the emotion, don't they? If mom and dad are stressed exactly. over something, a kid's going to do that. And because a kid is a kid, they're immediately going to think, did I do it? Are you mad at me? Was it my fault? Right? Because that's what a kid does. And you've got to reassure them, no, this is just life. We're in stress. This is how we're dealing with it. You know, um, you can help us right now by just being your beautiful, cheerful self. Right, and we need we need those hugs and cuddles that will help us through it. I think empower the child to be a part of the solution. Exactly, and I, and I think a lot of parents don't do that. No, um, we don't empower our children and say, you know what, this is just a really difficult time, mm -hmm. uh, and they don't. There goes the whole line of communication. Mm -hmm. You know, it's what you say and how you say it. Yeah, um, you can say it with a real stern. Um, voice. My, my boyfriend says, I have that teacher look uh, <laughs> when, you know, and apparently I do. Um, but then again, uh, you, you need to know how you come across to your, your, your students and your family members, because I wasn't aware that I had a teacher look, you know, I, you know, I just, and my students will, would have, said oh no you do you do <laughs> um because when you mean business you mean business right yeah they used you know? to call that the mama look on me you know or yeah. the mama tone yeah you know when mama went flat and smooth and calm then they knew the mama's eyes you know? yeah. <laughs> then they knew and i think every every parent has it yes. and we need to own it and then the other thing is that it's it's okay to tell your kiddo you know what i'm sorry i overreacted yes um, that wasn't right of me. I made a bad choice. Right. And I should have done, you know what, maybe you can help me next time. Yeah. And say, mom, let's, let's calm down. Yeah. Um, yeah. let's, let's go forward. So, um, it's, uh, it's real important that we, we pay attention to what we're doing, how we're doing it and what our, our, our how our kiddos are reacting. Right. I'm a true killers coach as well. 
when I'm not doing running the whole radio network. Um, but what I found so absolutely brilliant when I first did that, it was a light bulb moment for me. I understood why my family didn't get me. I was <laughs> one particular perspective, a screaming blue, and everybody was over in this arena, which they were golden and green, which there's four colors to four, representing four different personality traits. And we were talking gobbledygook at each other. Neither one of us were on the same verbal, vibrational, or perspective level. So what we had to do, which I had to do, was find the, um, the frequency, the color, the personality that I could talk to them on, that I could relate to them on, because I knew they would never be able to come to my side. They would never be able to get it. But up until that point, I'd always felt, why don't they get me? And now it was that I don't need to worry about that anymore. They're never going to get me. It's just they're incapable of seeing me from their perspective. But I can come down into their perspective and we can have a wonderful relationship on that level. And when I've taught it to families, it's been such an eye-opener. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, so when I say this, you take it that way. Right? And then, well, why do you get all offended by that? I only said that. But the other person's perception is, yes, but you said that. Right? And so if we learn each other's right. language, if we learn each other the way we're going to receive information and the way we give information, we will actually spend more time on how we speak to one another and understand one another, not take things so personally uh, or, you know, um, affrontedly, and actually be able to communicate on a much bigger scale. And, and that's so true on so many levels because I am not a logical mathematical person. Uh, I, I, I go with, rather than the color scheme, I did learning styles with Howard Gardner mm -hmm. and the multiple intelligences. And so it's, it's how you learn and how you take yes. in information. And, and uh, so it was no wonder that my mom would get so frustrated with me because like you said, she was over here. Yes, and I was way <laughs> over here, and, and, and I weren't going to meet at any point. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we were kind of uh, talking yesterday with my cousin, one of my cousin's granddaughter, actually, um, because I don't see them a lot, and she's like, "Well, um, you know, why is this, Susie?" I said, "Well, that's because I'm the unique one of the family." <laughs> I am just a little bit different than everybody else because my cousin is, you know, she's very um, OCD and she's a minimalist and she was an accountant and she's a brilliant, brilliant woman. And I'm just like polar opposite right. than she is. Yeah. So um, okay. it's, it's real important to, you know, embrace our uniqueness and own it. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned as an adult that, it's, it's okay to be me yes, and it's yes. okay to be the way I am and the things that are unique about me help me to help other people and to understand more and that way I can pay it forward and make a difference right and so right. you know but you're also giving home. permission yes. you're giving permission to other people for to be themselves you're giving permission to the children be yourself you are enough your self-discovery of who you are, where you're going, and what you're going to mean to life is within you. But be yourself. You're going to take yourself 
on every journey you take in life. You're always going to be with yourself. There is no escaping yourself. So learn to love you right now because this person's going on the same journey. Right? <laughs> that's, that's so true. Yeah, we, you need to write a book about that one, Sarah. That one's going to be a hit all the way around. Uh, because I, I just think it's so important. Everybody's just tr trying to be something that, yes. that they aren't. Yes, I spent, to, I spent way too many years trying to fit into everybody else's expectation. Even now, I, I tell stopped. people, why don't you do your shows like so-and-so? I said, I do my shows like Sarah. It's Sarah yeah. doing these shows. And if it's not your style, there are plenty others to choose from. But I am no longer going to try to bend myself into a pretzel, a very uncomfortable pretzel, to try and <laughs> appease somebody with somebody else then coming up and saying, you're doing it wrong. You know, I am what I am, as Popeye said, right? <laughs> Take me or leave me. That's okay. I'm not going to be offended exactly. if you leave me. <laughs> It's, it's, and surround the, yourself with the people that support and nurture you. Yes. Um, because they're part of your tribe or your village or your community, whichever yep. word, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big one on, you know, the village raises yes. the child. Yes. And um, as members of the village, we need to do our part. Yeah, we do. Um, Stop passing it off onto someone else. You know, stop ignoring it. You know, when you do walk past someone in the street, don't be judgmental. You don't know what put them there. When you see somebody in the soup kitchen, you know, oh, they're just lazy. You don't know what put them there. And, you know, sometimes it's a lack of, you know, it's pain. It's this, it's that. Sometimes it is laziness because it's an easy way out. But then why are they so lazy? Why, did they never have dreams? Did they never think that they could do anything with their lives? You know, we need to actually understand more of all these people that we're quick to judge and quick to throw away, how did they get there? And what can we do to release them back into a life of their own beautiful, abundant productivity? And, and I think that, um, you know, we, we've had some things where one person does one thing for one, one individual and, and makes such an impact, even yes. with the haircut, even with the shower, yes. um, the simplest of things that, you and I take for granted right. every day. You know, I, I couldn't imagine not having my car and having a roof over my head. That is just something that scares the bejesus out of me. And being there, I lived out of my car <laughs> and I didn't have any insurance on the car either. So yes, I know what it's like. It's not fun. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just, um, you know, and, and I'm very, very blessed that you know, I have family close by that if I was in that predicament, um, they would scoop me up and take care of me because when they needed help, I was there for right. them. And not just that, but their family. And, um, and, and that is a great blessing that many people do not have. No. They do not have a family. And families have changed, as you know, uh -huh. so much um, with um, divorces and and et cetera and so on. And we go with the foster kiddos that are, you know, constantly changing different locations and not having that, that support and that, that nurture that they need. Um, so everybody has a different story and sometimes you need to stop and listen. Care enough. Yeah. Um, I, I've done a couple of shows on, on um, the homeless people and, you know, one wonderful one where, 
he stopped enough to have a conversation with them. Now he's written two books on their stories and he blogs every day the conversation he has with them. And it opens our world to their struggles right. and who they are and, and how they got there. <clears throat> Again, we're so, oh, if, if I don't look, you know, I'm, I don't have to pay attention to it or, um, or judgment. Oh, they're just, you know, they're just druggies. Right. They're just this, they're just that. It's like, look at yourself in the mirror. What happened when you were going through hard times? Was somebody there for you? Was somebody going through a hard time? You know, we call this series The Forgotten Children. It's not just about our children. It's about the child within us. And most people's problems today right. as an adult is that child within us that's screaming for attention, streaming for love, to count, to, to feel wanted. And if we set that child free and love and nurture that child, we give ourselves permission to be whatever beautiful, dis, you know, disabled, which, what was the terminology? Um, differently abled. Differently abled, thank you. Differently abled we are. We are all flawed. But our flaws is what makes us unique. It's what helps us help somebody else with those flaws also thrive. You know, there is no such thing as perfection. Nothing. What's perfect is when you've stepped into your life and owning it authentically as you are in all your beautiful imperfections. That's what's perfect, right? And, and I think that's really important um, for everybody to own. And a lot of people don't know how to do that because they've never even thought about it. Right. They've never even taken the, that, that um, you know, we did that whole child within in the 80s and the 90s you know we we did all that yeah and um we've lost that um yes. in the last 20 years and we need to take care of that little kid sometimes and just let them play yes um uh you know we we kind of laugh on easter sunday uh, the extended family has a a tradition where they get the confetti easter eggs and um our three-year-old grandson didn't want to throw them at each other, everybody like everybody else did. His way was just to grab them and sprinkle them and throw them up in the air, you know? And so it's okay because that's the way Corey wanted to do it. You know, his dad is like, no, no, Mio, you know, here, throw it on dad's head. And I said, Brett, just let him be, let him play. That's what he wants to do. Let him play. Let as him long be. as it's He's not harming anyone else, who cares? <laughs> As long as it's not destructive, yeah. you know, and they're just, yes. yeah, it's just, it's just little confetti eggs, you know, and, and, and <coughs> exactly. Corey just had so much fun just right. throwing them up in the air, but that little kid, you know, and like at the rodeo yesterday, it was, you know, the little girl, Macy, she's like four, go daddy, go, mm -hmm. go daddy, go, yeah. you know, and so um, it's, it's important at any level to let that child within have some time to play regardless yeah. of how you play or regardless of what age we are you know there's a great exactly. commercial of boston pizza right now and it, it's showing two kids that are playing with their food under the table on top of the table you name it and they're saying it's okay there's a you know a group of hockey adult players over there being noisier than we are it's all right we can just be family here you know and that's the thing is yeah. you know, for our children to be sitting prima proper there are restaurants with that but there are other places just let the kids be the kids right they'll grow up and they'll finally get it right but you know, then, you know if the spaghetti is on their nose who cares <laughs> Well, and, and 
and like you said, there's there's a time and a place. Yeah. Uh, and and um, so, just you know, set your own rules within your family and what's acceptable, and and also to teach um, respect and manners. Um, and you know, we go full cycle again with that. And and some families do that. And some have never been taught that. Right, exactly. So um, it it goes back to um, where's the where's the gap? How can mm. we how how can we fill it, fix it, and what do we need to go forward? And those of us that have uh, you know lived the child within and 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 allowed ourselves to grow, we need to remind others that yes. um, you know this was a big thing. A while back, y'all need to be doing it again. Exactly. And, yes. Uh, uh, sometimes things are not, you know, just because they're new doesn't mean they're better. No. And um, some of the things that our parents and grandparents did weren't always right, but they also taught great respect. So, um, some foundations, some core foundations, right? Exactly. And I think you know, we all need those because they're our compass. You know, they'll help us navigate through life. If we always come from a place of heart, if we always come from a place of respect, you know, come from a place of honor, uh, if we come from a place of, of authenticity, if we have those navigational tools inside of us, we won't be afraid to self-discover. We won't be afraid of those boundaries or redirecting or, you know, being caught up in living up to someone else's expectation because we've got that compass always to go back to. But somewhere along the line, the compass got thrown away. And, you know, kids just were never given it. And so this is what we're seeing a cycle of now that needs to be broken. And it's going to take the community to step up to do that. And having said that, Mrs. Bratt's Corner is your site where yeah. you just do that. So tell everybody about Mrs. Bratt's Corner and how people um, get hold of you. Mrs. Um, Bratt's Corner uh, is my baby um, to continue doing what I've done. Uh, it's on my website at www.msbratscorner.com and um, I go through a series on stress management and which is another show we're going to be doing directed on yeah <laughs> and, and also um, because I'm just so passionate about how people learn um, and advocating for the differently abled um, to make sure that there's an even playing field for everybody. Um, so that's what Miss Brett's Corner is about. I've always been called a brat. Um, my <laughs> license plate is MSBRAT. Um, and as I told you, I have a brat fairy tattooed on my back. So I am a brat um, uh, through and through. So say relatability. Um, but, you know how to relate to them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. You know, I, I have been different my entire life. Um, everybody would, oh, I mean, even my entire family, you know, that's our Susie. That's our Susers. Yeah. Um, only Susie, you know, yeah. and you're right, only Susie. And, um, but again, there's more of me out there. Uh, there's more people like me mm -hmm. out there. And I want to empower them. Mm hmm because we're not all uh, perfect. Uh, we're not all going to, you know, be able to live in that mansion, but I want everybody to be happy and I want everybody to have 
the best education and resources and toolbox that they can have. Right. And, you know, with that, you know, our wings can spread, which is wonderful. And uh, so, yes, we are having you on in a week or two with the anxiety uh, where we're going to, you know, speak directly to that. How do we manage it? How do we know our triggers or, you know, what's, um, uh, when it's rearing its head or when we react to people that manage to push those buttons or, you know, right. just, you know, the, the despair of anxiety in most of the time, I just don't know how to cope with it. So we're going to be tuning into you to find out how. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that folks, because that is coming up. But uh, Miss Brass Corner, I mean, you know, the passion that you have for children, we talked about this, you were going to go in another direction in life. And at the end of the conversation, I go, what? No. <laughs> Why are you going over there? This is you. <laughs> this is you. This is your passion. This is you to the core, the way you care about people and the way you care about, you know, that everybody wanting to thrive in their lives and, you know, being able to cut through the things and the obstacles that are in our way, the things to embrace in ourselves that are never going to go away and stop, you know, persecuting yourself over it. So what? You're not, quote, perfect. There is nobody perfect, but we are perfectly imperfect. And when we embrace those imperfections, we understand that's what makes us unique. And that's what gives us our gift. The, your, um, your obstacles that you've had in your life have been your greatest asset because that is how you taught people to navigate through their obstacles and be all the beautiful, abundant self that they can be and not look upon it as something that was a flaw, but something that was a gift. And that's the gift you've given. To all those children and that you continue to give and that you're going to be giving us with the anxiety coming up in, a, in another show so thank you, thank you for for you know not redirecting yourself and staying on course to who you are <laughs> <laughs> But thank you for a little push. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've got these nice stiletto heels on sometimes. <laughs> I'll see you, girl. There's no point going anywhere else. And the kids need you. And, the, you know, whether it's, whether it's dealing with the, the adult kid um, and helping them heal their own inner child so they can be better parents, or whether it's the actual child that needs help, it doesn't matter, right? Young or old, it's just helping that kid you know, step out into themselves without fear, without inner persecution, um, without that inner, you know, insecurity, but understand, yes, they are beautiful. Step into your light. And, and, and it's important, like you said, is that each one of us is uniquely different. Each one of us has different challenges. And, and that's what makes it, you know, so, so fun for me. It wasn't fun at times, no, um, but, no. uh, you know, it, <laughs> uh, but, um, that's what makes us stronger and that's what builds character yeah. and that's what helps us go forward and pay it forward. Right. It's what helps us become. And, you know, when we step into that, that person we were always meant to be, it's like, finally I'm home. I'm home with self doing what I was here to do. And everything I've gone through has just become the tools and the knowledge I needed in order to step into the wisdom. And that's all it is. That's the self-discovery of life, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. We've just got to be willing to participate in it. That's the key thing. Right. Well, thank you so much for right. being here today, love. This is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, you just, as I said, the caring and lovingness that you're going through, the light that you've shed on, what we need to do, and uh, the next show that is going to be coming up in a week or two on anxiety, which whether you're young or old, you know, our kids, our animals pick up on anxiety immediately and they don't know why and they become anxious. We seem to be in an anxious state all the time because society is like that. That's where the emphasis is. How do we manage it? How do we know when it's ours and when it's not and how we let it go? So we need that help. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lev, thank pleasure. you so much. And um, to everyone thank else you. out there, you know, please understand that whether you are 90 or 19 or nine, you know, it is the community that helps that child stop turning your blind eye. However you can help in whatever way you can help, please step up and help. Our future is in their hands. And if they're broken, that means it's a broken future. Let's heal them and become whole in their beautiful abundance that they are. Let's switch their light on and stop having all these injured souls growing up into injured adults, not knowing how to cope with life. We've seen the results of that. It's not pretty. So let us invest in the inner child and let us invest in the children because our future depends on it. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. To hear more of these wonderful shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com, just look up our podcast genre list. You will see many shows archives there ready for listening. Don't forget to share these wonderful shows. And if you wish to be a guest or a host, or you have an organization that needs to be highlighted, contact us at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com. Bye for now.